You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. John 17 is where we'll be. We're talking, as Jordan mentioned, about letting our light shine. Last week we said, hey, what does it look like to be a lighthouse for Jesus? This week we're talking about this. What does it mean to be an influencer for Jesus? Our goal this month is to, is to teach and look at scriptures that, that tell us we are to be lights. We are to shine our light here in this community. And last week we talked about lighthouse, being a lighthouse for Christ. I spoke and I thought the most fascinating part, for me at least, was it, I just thought it was so cool that there's two types of workers in a lighthouse. There is a, a, a lighthouse keeper. Do you remember this? These were those that were working in the lighthouses, keeping the coal inside uh, the lighthouse to keep the light burning. They were laboring. They were putting forth effort to make sure the light sh- shined 24-7. Then there were lighthouse, we call these tenders. And these tenders were those that were supplying the keepers so they could keep shining the light. You need both lighthouse keepers and you need lighthouse tenders. Well, it's Mother's Day. And being Mother's Day, I I did a little research. And I thought it might be cool to honor some famous women lighthouse keepers. Because there's not many. The first one I thought I'd just quickly introduce to you, and I'm going somewhere with this, so hang on, is Sally Snowman. Who is Sally Snowman? Well, she served as the keeper of the Boston Lighthouse for 17 years. Of the 70 keepers who have tended to this famous lighthouse since 1716, 70 keepers, there's even one today, she's the only woman of 70 to be a lighthouse keeper at this incredible lighthouse. Ironically, as a little girl, her dad took her to the island where this lighthouse was, and she loved it so much, she said, Dad, I want to get married here. And a few years later, she was married inside that lighthouse And she was a volunteer in the Coast Guard, and she participated in saving the lives of many a struggling sailor on the seas of that harbor. Next, I thought I'd introduce you to one more, Ida Lewis. She had a 54-year career as a lighthouse keeper in Rhode Island. And she's somewhat of a national treasure. She's known as the heroine of Newport. There's a lot of maritime history about her life as well. She was the daughter of a lighthouse keeper in the autumn of 1854. Get this, when she was 12 years old, there were three friends coming out in a rowboat to see her, and they capsized, so she went into the waters at age 12 and saved the lives of these three. That was the first three of 18 lives she would save while she was keeper of that lighthouse. It says that Ida faithfully kept the lamp lit at Lime Rock Light Station. She shined the light so she could save lives. Wow. And I got to thinking about moms. Mothers, you have been the ones to light the way for your children to take steps in the right direction. I know I'm here today largely in part to a mom who took the steps, the courageous steps, a single parent mom. I was raised in a home with, where my dad wasn't present except for every other weekend. He loved us. He was a great dad. He was here last week. But, but just to focus on the impact that mom had on our lives, her two boys, today, I'm pastoring in Hot Springs and my brother Brett pastors in Las Vegas. The sacrifice mom made 
that both of us could be serving God today. She pointed us in the right direction. She was a keeper. She worked hard. Mothers are influencers. Mothers shine their light. They influence and shape the lives of their children. Thank you, moms. And this month's core value is about influencing people with the gospel. We call this evangelism. So therefore, we're talking about our fifth core value, which includes this word evangelism, and it's this. It's our focus in every possible way. And then we're talking about a next-level statement that goes along with our theme, right? So we're talking about, with evangelism, taking the gospel to the next level. And how do we do that? Because one thing that I've learned in this culture is that when we hear the word evangelism, or when we hear the word evangelist, sometimes we have different mindsets about it. Let me ask you a question, and answer in your, in your heart and mind. When I say the word evangelism or an evangelist, do you have a good thought or maybe a bad thought or, or a negative one? For instance, when I say the word evangelism, does the first thing that comes to your mind possibly could be the guy standing on the side of the road with the sign? Remember those? Turn or burn, right? Or maybe the street preacher who's yelling on the street corner in a city as you're driving through and he's pointing his finger at every car and he's screaming things you can't quite recognize the voice and you hear a couple words as you pass by. Or maybe it's the little dude with the poster on the television when your favorite football team is kicking a field goal and when they turn that camera angle to the end zone, what is he holding? A sign that says, John 3.16, evangelism. Or maybe when you go to the airport and you walk into that stall, sit down, and there's the track on the toilet paper. (laughs) The last guy left it. And to make sure you know all about Jesus. Nothing wrong with those things. But sometimes when we say the word evangelism or evangelist, a terror is kind of sent up our spine. There's different feelings. But truthfully and biblically, evangelism is nothing to be afraid of. It's as easy as turning on a light. Shine your light. It's as easy as influencing a person. Evangelism is all about influence. And so today I want to talk to you for a few moments about being an influencer for Jesus. Now, the word influence and influencer has kind of taken some turns as culture changes. If you look up the word influencer today, here's your definition. An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. An influencer. And over the last decade, we've seen social media grow rapidly in importance. Would you not agree? Uh, There are over 4 billion users. Way more than half the world is actively involved in social media. In some ways, we're surprised when we meet somebody who is not. I mean, listen, inevitably, these people are looking up to influencers on social media to guide them to making their purchasing decisions or in decision-making. Instagram influencers, YouTubers, TikTokers, podcast creators, bloggers. They talk about fashion, beauty, fitness, lifestyle, wellness, health, food, travel, yoga, parenting, pets, 
entertainment, photography, just to name a few, right? Brands love social media influencers. And so as I began to dive into this thing of what an influencer is, I found out there's four types of influencers. There's nano-influencers. They have 1,000 followers or less. There are micro-influencers. They have one to 5,000 followers. Then there are macro-influencers, 50,000. I'm going somewhere. Hang on. 50,000 to 1 million followers. There's mega-influencers. These are folks that have over 1 million followers on social media. The number one influencer on social media is Cristiano Ronaldo. He has 517 million followers. He's a soccer player. The second one is some guy named Lionel Messi who had 258,000 last year, but then the Argentina, Argentina won the World Cup. And so he went from 258,000 million followers to 478 million just after winning the World Cup. And then there's Justin Bieber at 455 million. Ariana Grande at 429. Selena Gomez, whoever she is, 425. Kim Kardashian, I think I've heard of her, 319. President Trump, even after being banned, has 150 million. And President Biden, never banned, has 57 million. Interesting. LeBron James has 85 million. My daughter-in-law has a Tiffany because of her stint in Disney has 1.5 million. These are negative, mega influencers on social media. Why am I telling you this? Here's it. God wants all of us to be mega influencers for him with the gospel. To influence others with our lives. Shining the light. Bearing the image of Christ to others. Let me explain it this way. I've heard this saying all about Christian life and maybe you've heard it too. And I'm interested to hear your take on it. Something to discuss maybe in your lighthouse groups this week. And that is this. As Christians, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world, right? You ever heard that? We're called to be in the world, yes, but not of the world. And to a degree, that is true. But this morning, I want us to have a different mindset or attempt to go to a different place with that thought. Listen, I get there's something true about that statement, but I think there's a bigger idea here as we dive into John 17, and that is this. We are sent, clearly, to go into the world. God has called us to be influencers on planet Earth. As we talked about last week, we are to be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. We are God's agents to bring kingdom ideas and kingdom truth into the world. Remember last week, Jesus said what? You are the light of the world. Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. Which one is true? Both. Because Jesus said both. He said, you're the light of the world and I am the light of the world. Not me, but I'm I'm speaking of Jesus. You see, when you walk through your office this week, or let me say it this way, Jesus is not going to physically walk through your office this week. Jesus is not physically going to walk through your workplace this week. Jesus is not physically going to walk through your home this week. You are the light of the world, and Jesus wants to walk through your office through you. That's how he does it. And that's our calling. This is the power of being a follower of Jesus Christ. We are called to be influencers on planet Earth. 
we are called not to be influenced by this culture, but to be an influence on this culture by another culture, an eternal culture. And now Jesus takes this idea further in John 17. We are invited into the prayer life of Jesus. It's unbelievable, isn't it? You think about that for just a moment. You say, what do you mean, prayer life of Jesus? Well, that's John 17. It's, it's this oftentimes known as, as somewhat of a famous prayer because it's the prayer that Jesus prayed. Yesterday, Sonia Brown asked the elders if they would gather to anoint her with oil, and Sonia brought her prayer request. And we said, Sonia, tell us why you want us to anoint you with oil. And so Sonia laid out about five minutes all of her needs and what she's going through is is precious it was beautiful and then we anointed her with oil and it was amazing i love it and we we invite you to call the elders when you have a need and you feel led to be anointed with oil and this is a a a principle scripturally in john at james chapter five so we did that yesterday it was really special caroline was there it was really special hearing not that she's an elder but but she was there and uh, oh sonia you're here sonia it was so special hearing you share your prayer request now, what if you could hear Jesus share his? Can you imagine? Hey, we're taking prayer request. Jesus says, I got a few. Can I give mine? In just a moment, we're going to be invited into the prayer life of Jesus. We're going to be able to hear what Jesus would pray about and what he did pray about. He began praying for himself, and then he began praying for you and for me. Now, I think it's got to be noted before we dive into the text that there are There's a word in the prayer that Jesus uses 19 times. And and I think it's worth noting that. I think it has a heavy impact on the message. So so for us to do that, let's notice first the various uses of this word mentioned 19 times, the word world. World. He, He says this about the word world. He refers to it as a creation or planet earth. And oftentimes when we use the word world, even in the text, it refers to people. For God so loved the world, the people of the world. And then oftentimes the word world, as is in the text, it means the system of the world, the philosophy of the world. Satan is the God of this world. The word world can be clearly different. For God so loved the world versus love not the world. One is referring to people and the other to a system. So understanding the word world and its different uses in the text, let's dive into the prayer in John 17, beginning in verse 11. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Father, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, now notice in the next verse, Jesus was saying, I'm I'm with them in the world. Right now, I'm, I'm with them physically in the world. Jesus says in verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now notice in the next two verses, Jesus clearly says that we are in the world, but not of the world. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world. 
that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now listen to Jesus as he is more specific in his prayer. He gives a request. He says to his holy father, Father, I I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. In the next verse, which I believe is the key verse to truly understanding this passage of Scripture, Jesus then says this as a prayer request for us. He says, sanctify them in your, or in the Word. Your Word is truth. He mentions a weapon. A weapon that he's going to give us in the world. And then he prays for his mission to be transferred to us. Look here in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Father, he says, you set me apart for a purpose. Now, they have a purpose. To reach the world with the gospel. I've given them the word. They have the truth. This truth will keep them in the world. Now notice who Jesus is praying for. He's praying for us in this, ta- in this passage, verse 19. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. That's us. I'm asking this for, for those who will eventually believe in 2023 in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for gospel light. I'm praying for them, especially in April, when, when that message about shining their light, help them to understand, God, those who believe in me, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So what will it take to be an influencer for Jesus? How do we, as a church family, live out the core value that we're talking about this month? Evangelism is our focus in every possible way. How do we take the gospel to the next level? I want to give you three principles. Three principles to be an influencer in the world for Jesus as we shine our light. Number one, infiltrate your world with truth. Infiltrate your world. Be a mega influencer for Jesus by infiltrating your world with truth. You're sent to be different in the lives of others. God isn't looking to get you out of the world. He's actually sending you into the world to influence the world with truth. Look at John 17 again, verse 15 through 17. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here it is. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God is not calling us out of the darkness, but rather to be a light in the darkness. So so the big idea is that God doesn't take us out of the world. Rather, he asks us, He asked God to keep us from the evil one. Verse 15, it's clear. And so as we begin to dive into this text, 
I, I, want, I, want, I want you to see what Jesus is saying here. He is saying very clearly, I want them to go into difficult places. I'm not asking you, God, to protect them from the difficult places. I'm asking you to keep them from the evil one. Protect them from the devil. Don't necessarily protect them from the circumstances of life. I mean, look, look, at, look at Brother Suarez and, and Sarah. Were they not protected? Where was God during that? Why, was that? why did that happen? If you've had the privilege of getting texts from Brother Suarez, one of the most amazing things about this whole incident is they've been shining their light in the hospital. They've been shining their light in, in the therapy. And God has given them an opportunity because of what they've been through. Listen, God doesn't say protect them from the environments, from the bad circumstances. Shield them from the enemy. That's what I call an influencer. It's a bit of a mind shift for us. Because I feel as if we're, we're, we're looking for that safe place, that haven, that church family, that little us four no more. And we separate ourselves so far from the world, yet God has set us apart to shine in this world. And he's given us this weapon called truth. That's why he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So as you read the Bible, as you study the Bible, as you have your devotions, as you attend your lighthouses, as you attend the big assembly of, 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 of a Sunday morning, as the Word of God begins to saturate you, as you begin to dive into truth and learn more about the Word, it sets you apart. You're becoming different. I'm basically a product this morning of the Word of God transforming my life. I, I'm different today because of Jesus and the Word. We are different from the world, not better, just different. We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom, not superior to the world, just different to the world. Because the whole idea behind being sanctified by the truth means that we are being distinguished by the impact and the influence of the word and the work of God in our lives. That, that's what you're seeing right now. Th- this is all just the impact of the word and the work of God in my life. Th- this this morning is just a work of God. It's, I-, I-, I could not do this on my own. I-, I don't have the ability. I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the might. This would be all entertainment were it not for the word that is sanctifying me and you as we are going out into this world to have an influence. God's word is transforming us. We are sanctified. We are set apart. Why? To shine. The truth should change us to be more like him and less like the world. Now, to be sanctified is not to be sanctimonious. It's not. That's the Pharisees. And by the way, I, I must say that I've, 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 I've seen this, I've witnessed it, and maybe... Full disclosure, maybe I've been that at times. Full disclosure. Maybe I've been sanctimonious. You say, what do you mean, sanct? Well, I'm better than so-and-so because I go to church. I'm better than so-and-so because I went to Bible college or I I have a degree or or because I I know this or, or know that or whatever. Being sanctified is not being holier than thou. Being sanctified is not being high and mighty. 
It just means this, that our lives are being made distinct because of our relationship with the Word. The Word. So we are to infiltrate the darkness with the light of the Word. Truth. The the world doesn't need us beating them over the head with the truth. The world needs to see different. That's why for the last 31 years of pastoring this church, at least once or twice a year, you hear me quote this poem. I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk the walk than merely show the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing. But example, always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the ones who live their creed. For to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give. But there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Number two, influence your world with your testimony. You're sent to make a difference in the lives of others. Look at Luke or rather John chapter 17, verse 18. As you sent me into the world. I love this verse. So I have sent them into the world. You're different from the world. I'm sending you into the world. Why? Because you've been changed by the truth of God. Are you with me? You've been sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth. So I can send you back into the world to make a difference. This is what it means to shine your light. We are not called to curse the darkness. We are called to shine the light. And that's why we've entitled this series, How to Shine Your Light. Maybe you've seen a movie that has come out in the last three or four years. It's called The Trapped 13. It's about, speaking of Thailand, we mentioned Thailand, it's about... The Thailand boys' soccer team. Maybe this is coming too now. Maybe you're remembering some of this. This was about a team that decided to go to a cave. Their coach, there was, there was 12 boys between the ages of 11 and 16. And so the coach wanted to go on a team bonding trip, right? And coaches do this a lot. Our coaches do this. Have a bonding trip, right? So let's go to this cave. The, the coach had been to this cave. It's an amazing cave. It's a beautiful cave. And they were going to go explore this cave together for one hour. And so they got inside the cave, and a monsoon hit. And as soon as it did, the waters collapsed on that cave, and there was no way to get out of the cave, and it it plugged the entrance of the cave, and they became trapped. 
The world would, re- would, would be uh, just stuck to the television as this became a global media sensation. And everybody began to follow the story of these 13 trapped in a cave for 18 days. Take a look at the story with me. Dive in two minutes. I just wanted to see the light. And then it said, suddenly we heard something. It would have been no good for people to stand outside that cave and just comment critical thoughts. Well, look at those people. They made a stupid decision. They should have never gone in the cave. They deserve this. What good would that do? 10,000 people were involved in, a rescue, in the rescue of this team. 100 divers from around the world were involved. 100 different government agencies. 900 police officers. 2,000 soldiers. 10 helicopters. 7 ambulances. The death of a Navy Thai SEAL member. 37 years old. Died. All of this was a missional mindset motivated by love. We know the odds are against us, but we're going in. We're going to make every effort. This is the message this morning. We too are called to make a difference. We, the church, are the divers being sent to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, to snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, to weep over the erring ones and to lift up the fallen and to tell them of Jesus who's mighty to save. The world needs light to shine their way to safety, which is an eternity with Jesus. So glad somebody rescued me. It was Jesus, but Jesus used someone to shine the light. And that person walked into my life with the light of Jesus shining brightly. And I was saved. But we need to walk right before we can be light. And that's our testimony. God wants us to be an influencer. But wait a minute, before we can be an effective light in the world, We need to walk in the paths of God's truth, right? Sanctify them in truth. I love how Paul says it in Philippians chapter number 2. Take a look. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Do it with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, what God put in you, now you need to work that out of you. Let the word of God sanctify you. As the word of God sanctifies in you, then you, it's going to make you different. This is what happens. Again, going back to this ever important truth here. The word of God changes us. And guess what? We start doing things different. You ever, you ever had that happen to you? The word of God impacts your life so much that all of a sudden, look at the next verse. Philippians 2.14. Do all things. When you're being sanctified by the truth, things change. Do all things now without grumbling. Quit your grumbling. Quit your complaining. Quit your griping. Quit your disputing. Stop fighting about needless things. Why are y'all arguing about that? It's no big deal. You need to be blameless. Be innocent. Children of God without blemish. Why? Because we're living in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. The world's going crazy. They need to see a difference in our lives. We need to shine as lights in the world. How do we do that? We've got to hold fast to the word of life. 
So that in the day of Christ, we can be proud that we did not run in vain or labor in vain. You do this as you infiltrate the world with truth and influence your world with your testimony. You know, people may say to you, I just don't believe in God. Vince, I, I just... I don't see the need to go to church. It's kind of a waste of time to me. I, the Bible's just not a book. I, it's got too many discrepancies. I just... But, something different about you. I'm not sure what it is. But I'm curious. I got a phone call... Two days ago, we, we, our family, we, we, we owned a little gym out in the village, and there's this little tanning salon we've started. This, this guy calls you two days ago and says, uh, what's it take to get a membership? So I told him, and then he said, well, the best day for my wife and I is Sundays. And so I thought, ooh. He goes, so what are your hours on Sunday? And I said, well, sir, we are actually closed on Sunday. He goes, what? Close? What do you mean? That, that, that's my best. I, I would, I'm surprised. I go, well, little story behind that. I said, I actually am a pastor. And I pastor a church in Hot Springs called Gospel Light. And so as a result of that, we, we really feel that Sundays is a, is a, it's a special day for a lot of reasons. On Sundays, we celebrate Jesus together. We we go to church, we gather together. It's just, it's, a, it's just a really special time. And so, in order to be consistent with what I teach, you know, and, and, and live, I just, it's just a way that I can, you know, we, we worship God. Well, wait a minute now. You can worship God anywhere. You can worship God. You don't have to go to church, do you? I said, no, no that's a good point. Man, that is, I said, that's great. You're right. We can worship God anywhere. Our house, we can worship God in our car. I said, no, you're right. No. I'm not insinuating you can only, but I'm just saying for, for us, it's just a distinct time where we gather together to be refreshed and encouraged. It's even more than just like the sermon. It's, it's a lot of different components to it. He said, hmm. So what time do your services start? I said, well, 9 and 10.45. He said, I see why you closed on Sundays. Makes sense. I don't really understand it, agree with it, but I may show up just to see what you're all about. That's a small little silly example two days ago, less than 48 hours ago. It's a phone call. It's no big deal. But could it be that God needed me to shine my light? Just a little flicker on that phone call. Because every phone call you make is an opportunity to influence for Jesus. Every text you send is an opportunity to influence for Jesus. Every email you click is an opportunity. Every word, every person you meet, every conversation you have is an opportunity to influence for Jesus. Number one, infiltrate your world with truth. Number two, influence your world with your testimony. Number three, and in closing, invite others in your world to trust. You'll never know how much it means to me when I say in closing and nobody says amen. It's an awesome feeling. <laughs> I've actually had people say amen at that point. So thank you. Thank you. We're almost 31 years old and you're still hanging in there with me in these long sermons. I love you so much. 
You're sent that others may see the difference. Jesus prays and Jesus declares to us why he sends us into the world to shine our lights. Look at it in his prayer. Verse number 19 is beautiful. And for their sake, for their sake, Father, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they, may, that they also may be in us so that the world might believe. This is why we shine our lights, that the world might believe. This is why our lights shine, so that others can see the difference in our lives, so that others can see the the image of Jesus Christ shining through our lives. Matthew 5, 14, remember this last week? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And likewise, we shine to point people to God. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Through you, through me, through us, the world is going to know what God is up to. That's how the world finds out what God's up to. Is you and I shining our light that they might... It prompts them to be interested, to ask questions. What time do your services start? That's what that's all about. You have been strategically placed to be noticed. Notice Matthew 5 in verse number 15. It says, on a stand. God has strategically placed you on a stand. For Robert Haggard, it's a stand at the firehouse. You're strategically placed there, Robert. I mean, God has you there for a purpose. For Vince, it's in an auto shop where he fixes old cars with a bunch of guys. Vince gets to shine his light there. It might, for you, it might be an office. It, it might be a Walmart checkout line. It might be a, a gas station. It might be a drive through But you're there on a stand strategically placed by God to shine your Light. Lights are positioned to give the best illumination. You are his light in your world. Then notice in Luke chapter 8 verse 16, there's a couple of warnings here that Luke gives. I think this is very interesting. Luke says it like this. No one after lighting a lamp. Now let me give you the interpretation of that. In today's vernacular, we say it like this. Who does that? Anybody with me? You ever heard your kid? My kids do that a lot. Who, who does that? I'm like, what, what, what's that mean? That means this. That means no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar. Who covers a lamp with a jar? No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under his bed. That's weird. Why would you put a lamp that you lit under your bed? No, you put it on a stand. Why? So that those who enter might see it. So, so the two things that can hinder and hide light are clearly said in this scripture. First of all, no one puts their light under a jar. That, that's being ashamed. I mean, that, that's hiding your light. Paul said, don't be ashamed of the gospel. 
It's the power of God. It's what's changed your life. It's what's made you different. It's what's given you an eternity in heaven. Shine your light. Put it on a stand. Don't be ashamed. And then secondly, he says, don't put it under a bed. That speaks about apathy. Don't be apathetic. Just a moment ago, when we prayed a prayer of confession, in that prayer, if you prayed it with us, it contained the word, forgive us for our apathy. Anybody guilty along with the pastor? The lead pastor. Okay, four of us. I agree. That's a good start. Got to get there. Got to get where you can admit it. Those confessional prayers aren't easy, are they? About halfway through, you're like, ugh, I'm not that. Amen. I am. Sometimes I struggle with those things. I needed that this morning. Apathy is a huge reason why we don't shine our lights. God has strategically placed us to be attractive for others, to be an influencer, to be attractive for Jesus. This is how we share the gospel. Anybody ever seen the movie The Bug's Life? It's a cool show. All right, this is my favorite scene in the show. It's hilarious. Take a look. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Boom, you know. Transformed by the light. Anybody with me? Decent sermon illustration. All of us are the result of being attracted to somebody's light who shined. That's why I'm here today. Somebody's light was so attractive I couldn't resist it. Believe me, I tried. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get saved. I was a Catholic. I was religious. I was good. Didn't know Jesus. Never accepted him, working my way to heaven, going to the, you know, little confession booth, lighting candles, paying money, saying the hail our Father and hail Mary. Sometimes as many as 100 times a day. Hard to believe for a 13-year-old kid, but true. Little OCD. So, man, I did things by the book. You told me, you tell me I've got to pray the our Father 100 times to go to heaven? Guess what I'm going to do? Not 99, 100. That was my life as a 13-year-old kid. Got to walk the line. Got to get there till I was attracted to the light shining in a pulpit by a preacher who loved me and invested in me. It was Jesus that saved me, but it was the light he was shining through himself, through his life, through his message, through his testimony, through his charm. Think about it. That's how you were influenced. Somebody shined their light. Matthew 5, 16, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The decision, the reason why we shine our lights is so that others might see. Jesus says, I want them to get a glimpse of the God you worship. We need to live in such a way that people can connect the dots between who you are and what you believe and who you are trusting in. Just in closing, throw Matthew 5.16 on the screen one more time. So that they may see your good works and give glory, get now, to your Father. Let's make this personal. This is your Father, your Dad, your Heavenly Father. We give out light in such a way that people are drawn to God. This is why we give our light out. That they might have a personal relationship with 
your father. This is the message of the gospel. This is conversational, not confrontational evangelism. For all these years we've been told confrontational evangelism. I'm not sure that this has anything to do with confrontation as much as it does with sitting down and talking with people and taking time to shine your light and invite them to church and invite them to Christ. Amen. This is how I see it today. And it's like the light bulb is going on in my mind and heart and spirit. God's plan isn't for us to to wait until the world shows up at our front door. It's not going to show up, church. We can keep coming to church until we all die, and the church will be torn down. There'll be no more church. Too many churches are waiting for people to show up. That's not how this works. God's plan is to send the church through the world's front door and be different to make a difference. You are the light of the world. You have influence. God wants to use you to influence someone's future and someone's eternity. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I just want to challenge you with this thought. Could it be that all of us are far more influential than we realize? Could that be true? I talk to a lot of people that they're just down on themselves. Who do I influence, Pastor? I mean, who, who do I really influence? Well, you can start maybe with your family. You influence your friends. Influence your neighbors, your coworkers, people you go to school with. If you go to a gym or sports club, you can influence people there. Every time you write a note, every time you write a letter, every time you send an email, every time you send a text, every, every time you make a phone call, every time you talk to somebody, be an influencer for Jesus. I love it. I love it. I walked into the building today, and one of our precious members said, Preacher, I've got a coworker coming today. Coworker, if you're here, thanks for coming. You found out today it's all about a light shining at that daycare. And, and, and that's why we're glad you're here. The light of the world is Jesus. And wherever we are, we just want to shine that light. Listen, church, we've got a great opportunity to influence others for Christ. I can't wait to hear Kevin Connor's message next Sunday on live stream. I'm so looking forward to Scott Mercer's message on May 28th. I'll be watching it on live stream. And then I can't wait to be back. But I can tell you the rest of this sermon series is going to be powerful. Why? Because we're really talking about the heart of God. Evangelism. Spreading the truth of the gospel of Jesus. If you're here today and you've never been saved, maybe you've never truly trusted Christ, maybe you've never been to the foot of the cross, you've you've never truly asked Jesus Christ to save you, and today you're being influenced by the gospel. The light is shining brightly your way, and you're going to respond today. Would you take a moment now 
and just ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to become your Savior. Right now, I'll be up front along with Butch. We're here. If you need someone to pray with you, we have elders at the front. We'd love to do that. If you need to come and just pray at the altar this beautiful Mother's Day, feel free to come. Respond as God leads you to respond. Father, I love you. I thank you for what we've experienced today in the house. Lord, I pray that you bless this response time. May we, Lord Jesus, may we sense your presence in a way that is influencing us to make a decision to the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together? God bless you.